Well, greetings in the precious name of Jesus this morning, and welcome to everyone. I've been blessed by the reminder in many of the songs how much of a friend God is, how he goes with us, how he provides for us, how he is a guide, just a real blessing. You know, I thought sometimes we go places and we take guided tours. Well, most of the time we don't know the guide. But on this journey, we can know the guide. And to me, that is not a little thing. That is precious that we can know the guide. Even though we don't exactly know where where all the path may take us, but we can know the guide. Be not dismayed whate'er betide. God will take care of you. And on and on the songs went. Oh God, our help in ages past. And we sang that one, uh, uh, Eternal Father. Uh, I wrote that down. Thou art my friend, my daily guide. Not only is he, is he our guide, and not only can we know him, but we can know him intimately and be our friend. So that's a real blessing this morning. Praise God. <clears throat> anyway, let's... Uh, Pause for a word of prayer at this time. Amen. Father, we come before you this morning. Thank you for this precious day, the Lord's day. We've gathered in the name of the Lord. We have your word here with us, Father. We are here for your for your glory and for our good God we're here about our father's business today lord we're here to worship you and praise you and thank you for being a friend to us a personal guide a help god thank you that you will be with us all the way as long as we have faith and trust in you lord thank you for that God, thank you for being with us here, and we pray for your spirit to minister to us, Lord, as we open the word once again. Teach us, Lord, from your word. Minister to our hearts. Bless us. Meet our needs, God, this morning. I pray for virtue to come from you, Lord, to flow from yourself as we reach out to you by faith and touch you this morning, Lord. God, we know you want to you open our eyes and, and, and have us see Jesus in, in a fresh and new way, in a refreshing way, Lord. We pray that would happen this morning for every soul. We pray you would meet the needs of our heart, Lord. God, you can do that, each one of us, Lord. We're precious in your sight, and I pray you would minister to our hearts, God, in whatever need we have, Father, we pray you would minister to those needs, and I pray also, especially in light of 
us looking forward to an ordination. I pray you would continue to minister to us, Lord, in that respect. Oh, Lord, I pray you would bless us. And the things that we say this morning, Lord, would would assist you, Lord. We are co-laborers together with you, God, and I pray that you would give us your blessing for in and of ourselves, God, we surely, we can't do it, Lord. So we ask you for your help this morning and in the days to come as we wait on you and seek you, Lord, for your blessing concerning the ordination of an elder, Lord. We pray for that. We ask for it, O God. And we just give ourselves to you now, Lord. We commit ourselves to you in preaching and teaching the word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, amen. You can turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16. And I know this is an opening message, and sometimes we try to keep them a little shorter and not too heavy, and I hope that's how I can do for both of those points. But I do want to also talk a little bit about the upcoming ordination, and and so I might go just a little longer this morning, half an hour or so possibly. But I'd like to just speak a bit about the good work of a minister. And like I already stated, the very fact that we have the Lord to go with us is a tremendous blessing. We're not in this alone, for sure. This is God's idea from the get-go. And that's a blessing. And if we keep things in right order, as a minister, it can be a very good experience. I think the problem comes when we lose sight of of Jesus and get bogged down and get overwhelmed, then it gets heavy, but... So I give this as a reminder to myself as well, because I'm, I'm, I know I've, I've, I've been there and done that, left it burden me down too much and get heavy. But as I looked at these thoughts this morning, I was greatly inspired myself and reminded that this really is the Lord's work. And all we are to do is basically to avail ourselves and allow him to use us as he sees fit. And that may be easier said than done. Allow him to use us as he sees fit. And I say that to all of us here in light of the upcoming ordination. It's a good work. It's a very good work. So we're going to look at the, uh, the account here in Matthew 16 with uh, Jesus and his disciples. And we're going to break in in verse 13, where Jesus asked his disciples the question, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Very good question. 
I think Jesus probably knew. He knew all things, so he knew what, what the testimony was, what the buzz was out there about him. He knew all that, but he wanted to hear it come from the mouth of his disciples. What's going on? Who, what's the perception of this man called Jesus? What's the perception out there? Who do men say that I am? And so they give him a report in verse 14. Some say that thou art John the Baptist. That's not a really bad testimony to have. Could have been a whole lot worse. Some say Elias. Some say Jeremiah or Jeremiah. And or one of the prophets. Well, those really aren't, like I said, two bad testimonies to have. But so Jesus goes a little deeper and he looks at his disciples and say and says, who do you say that I am? What is your perception of me? And they've been walking with Jesus for a while now. And he wanted to hear from their hearts. And even though Peter responds, I believe for the most part, they were probably all on the same page. Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the anointed one. Thou art the Christ. Thou art the Messiah. You are the one that has been prophesied about, that has been waited for. You are the one, Jesus. And I can imagine Peter looking in Jesus' face and saying, Thou art the Christ. The Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood have not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Petros. That's the word Jesus would have used. Thou art Petros. A little piece of a rock. And upon this Petra, a massive rock, upon this Petra, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth, earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then charged he his disciples that they should not tell, that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. He simply didn't want them to broadcast that. It seems like he wanted to let 
his, his life, his, his arrest and, and crucifixion and resurrection speak for itself, that he was in very deed the Christ. So he said, don't go, don't go broadcast that around. But, but they knew who he was. They knew who he was. <clears throat> he said, I will build my church. Brothers, that hasn't changed. Jesus is still saying, I will build my church. I will. Jesus will build his church. And so why do we even bother ordaining another man? Let Jesus build his church. Well, I think we need to bother about it because he has chosen it to be that way. He has chosen to make us labors together with him. Now, just think that through. So we're considering the good work of a minister. He is a good God. We sang about that almost in every song. He will never leave us nor forsake us. He'll go with us all the way. He is not only a guide, but he is a friend. And we get to be a labor together with that kind of God. Praise his name. We are labors together with God. Co-labor, companion in labor is what that means. Work fellow with God. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Easy? Not necessarily. But it's a good thing. Amen? A very good thing. We are labors together with God And Paul says, I believe he's saying that to the Corinthians, ye are God's husbandry. That means a field. So the church is like a field. And we get to work with God in his field. A cultivatable field is what that word means. Husbandry. A cultivatable farm. We get to work with God in his field called the church. Ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. Essentially, it's, it's God's, and Jesus said, I will do it. I'll be watching over this whole thing. I'll, 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 I'll be there, but I want to use you. I want to work through you. Just to recount the story there of the Apostle Paul, as he was as he was making his way to Damascus there, I believe it was, in persecuting the saints. And, and, and the Lord arrested his attention. And then God, a little later, a while later there, God spoke to Ananias and, and told him that he should go, and, or he's coming to him. I forget exactly how that all played out there. But here's what Ananias said. Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Ananias, 
go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me. To bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the, and the children of Israel. I've had my eye on Paul, and he's my chosen vessel. Go thy way, lay your hands on him, pray for him. You see, that hasn't changed this morning at all. So whose hand, whose eye does God have? On who does God have his eye on here? That's what we're praying to find out. That's of utmost importance. That we help have God choose or give us the man that he has his eye on. And I think we need to take that very seriously in our prayers. Lord, who do you have your eye on? He had his eye on the Apostle Paul. At that point, he didn't look like a very good candidate. Not at all. Lord, I have heard by many how much evil he hath done. But God said, he's mine. So brothers, we need the spirit of God for this. This has got to be a God thing, a prayer thing. We can't just go by by, you know, looking on the outside and we can do some of that and knowing a man's testimony and all the things we heard so far I say amen to. But ultimately, we want God to put his finger on the man. And that, I believe, will come through earnest prayer and fasting. Jesus said, I will build my church. The good work of a ministry, of a minister. Jesus said, I will build my church. It's not ours. It's not mine. It's not Larry's. It's Christ's church. So we're choosing a minister. Why? What for? To build Christ's church. To prepare his bride. Think about that. Paul said in Ephesians, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. You know, Christ has vested a lot in the church. He gave his blood for her. He shed, he laid his life down for her. He loved her and he gave himself for it. So that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by his word. That he might present it to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. But that it should be holy and without blemish. Welcome to the ministry. There's, the, there's our job. Labors together to preach this word that we might, that the congregation, that the body might be changed from glory to glory. Things that I got away with yesterday, after, so to speak, in the past, you hear a message, you were convicted, 
God says you can't get away with that anymore. You are being sanctified and prepared to be that spotless bride. Hallelujah. That is the good work of a minister, to preach this word and to see all of us being changed, made holy, made pure, made spotless. Brothers, there will no unclean thing enter in there. And how does that happen? Well, God puts his holy seed in us by way of the new birth. And after that, it happens through the spirit by preaching the word of God. And we are washed and washed and washed. Old habits are washed away. Old things are washed away. Amen? That's how it should be. What a privilege. Think about it. Look, Look away from all the hard things. Look away from all the difficulties. Look at the end. What a privilege today we have and an honor to and a responsibility to be part of that. Somebody's got to do it. Would you like to be part of it? Oh, brothers. It's his church. That's what we're all about. Who do men say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Jesus, he was driving somewhere when he said that. After Peter said, thou art the Christ, the anointed, the Messiah, Jesus said, Peter, you didn't get that by your own clever studies. You got that because God pulled back the scales from your eyes, so to speak, and you saw me for who I was, for who I am. That's what, God, that's what Jesus said in verse 17. Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven has revealed to your heart that I am the Messiah. I am the Christ of God. Peter's eyes were open. He saw who Christ was, and Christ was satisfied with that. So satisfied that I I believe this is what he meant when he said, upon this rock, I will build my church. Brothers and sisters, if we don't, to one extent, to some measure, have our eyes open, spiritually as to who Jesus is. I don't think we can stand against the gates of hell. I believe believe that. We need more than a mental knowledge of Christ. To some extent, it may vary, but to some extent, our hearts needs to burn with those two that walked on the road to Emmaus. To some extent, dearly beloved, we need to see Christ 
that there is virtue in him like that poor woman who had spent all her living on everything else. And she looked at Jesus and she, her eyes were open and she said, Ah, if I but touch the hem of his garment, I shall be healed. And she pressed through and she touched him and virtue flowed out of, of him to her. Her eyes were open as to who this man was. To some extent or other, we need a revelation of Jesus Christ if we want to be an individual or individuals which make up the church to stand against the gates of hell. We do need that. I think Satan is just mighty pleased if he has a church full of, 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 of head-filled Christians only. But you get a church full of people that have a revelation of Jesus Christ. They love him. They're serving him. There's the battle. That's where the battle rages. But Jesus promised the gates of hell shall not prevail against those kinds. Those kinds are willing to go to the stake and say, all for Jesus. I'm willing. I'm willing because I have a glimpse of Jesus He's my friend. He's my savior. He's my daily guide. Upon this revelation, I will build my church. Upon your revelation of me, the rock, the massive rock, you'll stand. I'll build, I'll build my church. I'll have a church full of people that are built upon that rock. Very, very, very important. This is a tremendous privilege and opportunity to preach Christ, the anointed one that will change lives. Hallelujah. Change lives. Isn't that what it's all about? Where God touches a need in our life, and changes it. Those people will follow Jesus to death. They will say, like the, like the, demon, the man filled with demons, he wanted to go with Jesus and follow him. There's no wonder. He was changed by Jesus. Preaching the anointed Christ. Acts 5.42, and daily in the temple and in every house they cease not to teach and preach Christ Jesus. Oh, we probably need to be reminded to make more of that point. 1 Corinthians 1.17, for Christ, Paul said, for Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. 1 Corinthians 1.23, but we preach Christ crucified. 2 Corinthians 4, 5, for we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. It's not me. It's not about me. But we preach Christ Jesus the Lord as, as the one who can meet your need. Ephesians 3, 8, unto me who am less than the least of all saints. Think of Paul's lowly view of himself. I am less than the least of all saints. 
unto me who am less than the least of all saints. Less than the least. I am less than the least. Unto me who is less than the least. Is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ? Less than the least. It can, that includes all of us in here. If God gave it to Paul, who was less than the least, so that doesn't, we're not exempt. We can't say, God, I'm, I'm too least. No, Paul was lesser than that yet. I've lived too bad of a life. I can't do it. No, Paul was worse than that. Unto me, who is less than the least, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. The good work of a minister. Praise God. Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount, Blessed. Happy to be envied are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Now certainly, everyone in this room can be a peacemaker, but also certainly it is is the opportunity and privilege of a minister to be one of those. To go and Where two brothers are, or two people have a problem, and they get in there, and they they help God make peace. They help their father make peace between these two. That's a good work. Luke 15.10 says, Likewise I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God. Over one sinner that repenteth. You and me have the opportunity to bring joy to heaven. To preach Christ. To help some sinner repent. And it says the angels rejoice. In, in Joy in the presence of the angels of God. Over one sinner that repenteth. Who's going to be there? To help do that. Again, that's just not just limited to the minister, but it definitely includes his, his, uh, his work order, for sure. And on and on the list could go of verses that, that, that establish that fact. But I will wrap it up here with this verse. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed toward his name, in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. Not only do we get to work with God as a friend and as a guide and one that knows the way, but if we're faithful in the end, he will reward the minister, the man of God. He will reward 
God is not unrighteous to forget your work and the labor of love. Labor of love. That's so important that when we enter this work that we pray and we ask God to shed his love abroad in our hearts as we endeavor to minister to souls that the love of Jesus can flow through us to them. That it indeed is a labor of love. You know, sometimes we need to get up and we need to walk by faith and put one foot in front of the other, one foot in front of the other, but it, it, it cannot be that way all the time. Sometimes we just need to be at the place where we say, praise God, I get to do this. Hallelujah. And there are times like that, but there are other times where it's simply a labor and it's like doing the chores. It's time to do the chores. It's time to do this. It's time to face this work. I got to go do it. And other times, chores are just fun. Fun to do. We get to go do chores. Labor of love. God is not unrighteous to forget your work. And labor of love which ye have showed toward his name. See, it's all about Jesus. Showed toward his name. It's about Jesus. It's about his church. It's about his bride. It's about preparing his his bride, making her spotless and beautiful. Imagine Jesus coming to you and saying, you see that, that, Beautiful, uh, how could I illustrate? You see that beautiful adornment on, on my bride? That comes from you. That's something you did. That's something you did. That's there because you, you, you went after that one. It'll go something like that. Which ye have showed toward his name and that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. The good work of a minister. This is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desires a good work. It's a good work. I pray God's blessing on all of you men, you candidates out there, whom the Lord would choose. I pray you can see it that way. I'm sure you're trembling and understandably so, but uh, but just exercise your mind this way too. It it is really rewarding. It really truly is to have to hold in our hands the answer first of all to our own life. The answer it's right here. It just needs to be dug out, figured out, applied believed upon, acted upon, trusted God for the results. There is nowhere else to turn in life than right here. And God says, here, I give it to you. Live it, eat it, drink it, sleep it, apply it to your own life, and tell others about it. Use it as a tool. This is your toolbox right here. And and burn yourself out to... To help others. And in the end, I'm going to give you a reward for all your labor. Okay. I'll do it. I'll do it, Lord. Here am I. Send me. 
You know, sometimes on a nice summer day, it's Saturday, and it's just beautiful, perfect, and you're called to preach on Sunday morning. And everyone else is out there mowing the yard and riding their horses and doing all the fun things of life, and you just come to church, and you look out there, and that looks appealing, and that looks fun. And But if you think it through, in the end, what's going to last? This right here, my service to the Lord. God, I need something from you, God. We beg God for a word. We beg God for the anointing. We beg God for his spirit. We get up on Sunday morning and preach to the glory of God. Amen. So Lord, help us and bless us. God bless you with that. Thank <laughs> you.